The His Girl Friday podcast is brought to you in part by Messenger Fellowship, living the kingdom, fulfilling the call, proclaiming the truth. How's it going, guys? This is Cameron with His Girl Friday coming at you. It's 1.15 Central Time, Sunday afternoon, and I'm Boy, there's a lot to get caught up on, just being straight up honest. I'm behind in my podcasting. You'd think with a quarantine, with a lockdown, you'd have more time for that. And I've been focusing more of my energy on writing, not podcasting. So I'm going to try and use this last week of April to crank out two to three podcasts. And hopefully that will catch us up heading into May. So for today, just want to reset and talk about some Jethro principles, some applications for business leadership. Uh, Jethro Principles as Structures for Organized Relationship, and this would be a part one to a three-part series most likely. Uh, later on this week, I will talk about some Easter revelations. I know we're we're past that point, but I still think it's important. We're still not far removed from Palm Sunday and Easter weekend, Pentecost, Lent, etc. So I think it would be good to revisit some fresh Resurrection Sunday insights, if you will. But for today, just want to ask a simple question, and that's how you're doing, or how are you doing? There's a lot going on in the world today, a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, a lot of doubt and uncertainty, and I'm with you. I don't know where this goes. We are in a global wilderness, as my friend Adam Narciso recently uh, talked about at the Gate Community Church, and it's a brave new world. We're navigating it together. We're thriving and surviving, as I like to say, and listen, I wish God's best upon your life. I know that's normally how we would exit or sign off on these pods, but we're rooting for you. We're praying God's covering of health on your life, that he opens new doors, new creative outlets, that he shows you the way to encouragement, how to love on people. I could post a a new segment on just... Some new revelation I've gotten concerning love, distance, relationship, and that new phrase that's been welling up in my spirit in recent weeks. Kind of a a pivot off of long-distance relationship, love-distance relationship, and how that looks in a time where, you know, we have to be in our homes for the most part. Loving one another involves honoring authority, even if we don't agree. How that's being handled state-to-state, city-to-city, it differs I know that out in the country, people are a little bit more chill, laissez-faire, about the pandemic. And most people, at least in my neighborhood, they're not taking full measures, the necessary precautions to staying safe. And it's unfortunate, head closer into Nashville, and people are taking the necessary precautions. And it's crazy, just the dividing lines, lines of demarcations that have set up. And I don't want to get in all into you know the politics of the coronavirus. I just want you to know that we hope the best for you in this season and that uh, you still have your job. If you've been laid off, we know that this is a season, like all wildernesses, God's going to navigate us through this one together. And as I was running this morning, the Lord was just like, you know, this is, there's a big difference between a desert and a wilderness. A wilderness... You don't know the exit so much, but there's life all around you. Brush, shrubbery, 
plants, flowers, trees, animals. There's plenty of life in a wilderness, not so much in a desert. We're in a, I mean, I know for some of us, if you're struggling with unemployment in this time or, you know, unhealthiness, or should I say, you know, sickness in the family, that could feel like a desert and a wilderness. But we're going to roll with the wilderness metaphor throughout this pod and other pods. And I know it's, it's just super crazy. I mean, what can you say? But God was faithful to just say, you know what? I am here in the midst of all this. I'm orchestrating all things for good. We're going to come out of this differently. Like we, Not to say that the coronavirus is anything like 9-11, but... It's just shaking our nation. It's stirring us. We're going to come out with a completely different paradigm, new mindsets. And there's a lot of different angles you could take. You know, for me, it's just watching how churches had to adapt to a virtual online community. And a lot of churches have either had to level up their technological awareness or, you know, just be more creative in how they reach out to people. I'm sure smaller churches, they don't have the means to live stream all the time. So it's... um, I mean, I don't even know what you'd do. I think you'd have to develop a Jethro system <laughs> of communicating with people and engaging them where they're at and even driving from it. You know, if you're healthy, you could you honor the six-foot rule. I'm sure you can drive up someone's driveway, talk to them, car to patio or something like that. I don't know. But we're going to look back on this and we'll have stories to tell our kids and grandkids something that we survived through. And we're going to point up to Jesus and be like, look how faithful he was. And look what he did, big picture. You know, our two-dimensional efforts and means to loving one another, now we're going 3 and 40 with that. <laughs> if that makes any sense whatsoever. All right. Uh, I got to move on, talk a little bit about Jethro Principles. Central thought for this pod is... The Lord provides a structure in which intimacy with God is nurtured through a system of organized relationships. By the way, this is all coming out of Exodus 18. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, head over to Bible Gateway, pull it up in whatever translation you prefer. Central theme, and I'm talking about this pod series uh, in addition to this pod itself. uh, the, The central theme is the practice of multiple shepherds, the concept of communal shepherding, and the central culture a sense of connection among members of the body. So it's a sense of connection involving multiple shepherds, but the big picture is the Lord provides a structure for organized relationship, and that's something that Jethro is tapping into in this chapter. When I say Jethro, there's a lot of things that may pop into your mind. Husky high priest embracing Moses, guiding him from fugitive to family, a fatherly shepherd, out in the middle of nowhere? I know for me, I I think of Danny Glover voicing Jethro and the Prince of Egypt. That scene around the bonfire. The jovial Jethro is leading the Midianites in a festive, you must learn to join the dance around the campfire. It's one of my favorite numbers in that film. Certainly iconic for me. Through Heaven's Eyes is the number. To be honest, I imagine most first impressions of Jethro involves at least one of these things. Or if you have a favorite show with Jethro as a character, I forget the one off the top of my head, but some people, they might think of 
an oldie but goodie show back in the 70s and 80s. I can't think of the name, but I know Jethro was a central character. Whatever the case is, Jethro isn't just this hospitable father-in-law. He's much more than that. Yes, he gave Zipporah in marriage to Moses. You know, we all have to have father-in-laws, father-in-laws. But it's more than just the title and family. Because Jethro was also a strategic advisor with a depth of business savvy. And we often miss this side of him. Perhaps it had to do with years being out in the field, shepherding and understanding how his set of principles worked when it came to actual shepherding of actual sheep. The metaphors are rich in this story. But we have to accept this idea that Jethro was way more than a pastoral shepherd. So digging into Exodus 18, we're going to focus on the part where Jethro is advising Moses on how to manage roughly 2 million people, about 600,000 males and the rest, I believe, females and children. Essentially, Jethro gives him a promised way to the promised land. Not the only promised way, but one critical part, one critical component to it. So let's set some stage here. After wandering to the wilderness, Jethro finds Moses swamped, settling disputes among thousands of freshly delivered Israelites. And at first, I'm sure they're all breathing sighs of relief. We're out of Egypt, we're out of the desert, we're out of the persecution, the slavery. Bring it on, because whatever, whatever awaits us, it has to be better than what we just left. But I'm sure it quickly got messy. Maybe it was messy from the start. At any rate, Jethro is setting out from Midian to meet Moses and company and the millions of Israelites with him. I'm not sure off the top of my head where they actually met at. I'm sure it was somewhere in the middle. But that's not the point. The point is Jethro, who's cloaked in experience, he asked Moses upon meeting him what he's doing. Catch it. The Bible says he, you know, Jethro catches him sorting disputes among the people. And we don't know how stressed out Moses is, but I can imagine it's an overwhelming scene for him, given his personality, what we know about his demeanor. Jethro asks Moses what he's doing, and he knows full well what's going on, but he still asks anyway. And Moses then replies, he's judging the people as they come to him, inquiring God's will. A little bit of Catholicism in this. One person telling a speech among two million people, let that sink in. Not saying everyone had an issue. And maybe the idea had popped in Moses' mind like he needs some help. I'm sure it did. Whatever the case, Jethro responds by giving Moses a system and structure for accountable relationship. This is uh, verses 21 and 22 in Exodus 18. Look for able men who fear God, who are trustworthy, and place them over the people as chiefs of thousands of hundreds of fifties and of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. Heeding Jethro's advice, Moses appoints a team of elders for each group size. We find that in verse 24 through 26. And from there, relieve Moses finds flexibility. He finds mobility bandwidth and margin he never had or didn't have before 
Suddenly he had help. He had a safety net. And it was beyond the internal. It was beyond what he couldn't see. Now he had people he could delegate to that would respond. You know, I was thinking of just the disciples appointing uh, helpers in the early church days in Acts. How, you know, they had a template. They had a guide. They had blueprints on who to look for, who would be part of the 144. And there's a lot of Old Testament, New Testament crosses over the more I think about it, but I don't want to get lost in rabbit trails here. All I know is that this really sets the stage for Exodus 19 and Exodus 20. Those are big chapters in Exodus as well. Moses meets God on Mount Sinai in Exodus 19, and he receives the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. So really, Jethro comes at a crucial time, kind of a crossroads. Moses, you need to get some help to create room, more room for God. Because more room for God in your life is going to mean more room for God in the people you're tending and leading to the promised land. It was all strategy. But it was based in intimacy. And that's sometimes what we miss. The story of Jethro. Now I know what you're probably thinking. But Cam, I'm low on the totem pole in my not-so-large company. How can this possibly apply to me? Maybe you're a middle manager. Maybe you're a supervisor, but you still wonder, I'm still not really in this place of pouring into a lot of people where I need to appoint and delegate people in between me and the people I'm supervising. I mean, I imagine there's a lot of different ways we could feel like we don't connect to Jethro or Moses in this chapter. But what's cool about the Jethro principles is while they're ancient, they're also timeless and timelessly paramount to foundations of leadership and character. Maybe this is not the season for you to be a leader on paper, but you could lead through character and virtue. These principles, not only do they serve as a template for stewarding organized relationship, but they reveal how we as kingdom influencers, and we're all kingdom influencers, whether we realize it or not. If you believe in Jesus, you trust in him, you've given your life over to him, you are a kingdom influencer. It reveals how we as kingdom influencers are to preserve our margins to experience and facilitate intimacy with God. It starts with us and it branches out. And it feeds into the relationships and those we love dear, even those we don't love so dear, but we're in proximity to, our actual neighbors, the greatest commandments. There you go. I mean, the heart of the gospel, the golden rule, it finds itself immersed in Jethro principles. It's so cool. In Moses' case, he knew God was with him. He just didn't know how this intimacy needed to be fostered. Initially, Jethro taught him how to foster it. I think for many of us, that's the hardest part. While we have the discernment, giving some benefit of the doubt there, we have the wisdom piece, but it's hard to steer into the unforced rhythms of grace until we embrace our limitations. Ties into Matthew 11, 20-24 there. We embrace our weakness, not just accept it, but we embrace our weakness and our limitations. When we do that, it's like, I can't do it without you, God. But even how does that phrase look? I can't do it without you, God. See, a lot of times doing that involves trusting God's entrusted. And this ties into leaders 
on paper, authorities, not just in church, but at work, in government, in politics, city, state, federal levels, all over the place, all the way up to our president. Trusting God's entrusted. We don't have to agree with them. We may disagree on 90 plus percent of, of what they stand for and what they preach, what they teach, how they delegate. Maybe they're not using the Jethro principles as well as you are using them, but chances are your spheres are smaller than, say, the president of a nation. But moving on, there's another element to this story that I find fascinating, and it's often neglected or overlooked, and that is how Jethro's counsel to Moses in this chapter reflects the Trinity. It points to the coming of the Holy Spirit in Acts. And while we don't know if Jethro understood the Godhead three in one, like we do today, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, certainly Jethro had some idea that God wasn't alone, that he was in company, because he wouldn't delegate something he hadn't experienced before. He wouldn't be teaching us something. He wouldn't be revealing something that he was detached from. Jethro got that Trinitarian theology before most even had a, a flicker of understanding about it. It ref- his counsel reflected the Trinity in an organized relational context where each role, each function was co-equal in value, diverse in function. And I'm big on that phrase when it comes to righteous leadership in business, marketplace applications, how the scripture becomes alive and how we work with one another. One could say because of the Godhead, there's always been a template on how responsibility, accountability, and stewardship operate since one can't exist without the other. And I just think Jethro understood all that. He understood that God must be in good company where this is going on. And we're supposed to model that. We're supposed to join in, participate with God, at least mirror that. We're supposed to do what he's doing. So I say all that, and it was funny because when I was writing this, John 3.16 popped into mind, and you can almost look at it through this whole filter. Jethro principles applied to John 3.16. How would it look? And it would read something like this. For God so loved the world, he gave us communal systems to be institutionalized so his mission could be realized. And knowing this, we can see the heart of Jethro more clearly. While delegating authority was crucial in the moment, the intent of his objective wasn't to establish hierarchy, but to help people discover God. As Jethro (laughs) says in Prince of Egypt, to look through heaven's eyes. I love that. I really do. Hierarchy, not exactly a favorable term these days. I believe that there has to be a system in play at work and business and politics and government where there's that ladder of authority, a chain of command, if you will. There's probably better ways of phrasing chain of command, but really, as one of my friends said in a retreat, a Commission U retreat, you have that ladder, but it, oftentimes we set it up vertically when really it should be set horizontally and it becomes more of a matrix. And you view it through the lens of intimacy. It's like, yeah, not everyone can be in on certain meetings with the CEO, but has to be some accountability, some delegation in between those mediators who represent, who extend communications. Really, those middle managers, you know, they're like the monkey in the middle. They're receiving, they're probably in the inner courts with the owner, the CEO, the CFO, uh, the president, whoever. 
and then just kind of like those spheres extend until you have this big circle that captures everyone a part of, the, of a certain organization. And for me, a new employee, I'm not going to lay it out specifically where I work, but I know that I just started. So I'm on the outer courts, and there are people. There's a lot of people above me who know more, who've been there longer, who just have the experience and the knowledge and the insight, the depth of understanding. And I, I love learning from, and I know that those, we have a set of directors, four directors. We have 30 people in our business. We have supervisors. Um, we have four directors, and they have appointed times where they meet with our CEO, and that is good. They have more on their plates, more responsibility, and that's fine. I think it's good to have that. I see the Jethro principles in play at my work, and chances are you do too. They have that intimacy with the CEO, and that intimacy extended through them by the coaching, by the counseling, by the one-on-ones, by the, you know, let's have a meeting. And there are times where the CEO can interact with each and every one of us. It's a beautiful thing. Ideally, you have a point, man, the Moses figure in your life is not cut off entirely from relationship, but just there's a time to pour in. There's a time, there's a, oftentimes it's, I'm going to hand this to someone who's going to hand it to you. And that's biblical. Jethro got it. So when you go back over this, I encourage you to view it through the lens of the Trinity, eternal reality, eternal community, and understand that um, when we talk about Jethro principles, we're talking about structures for organized relationship where accountability meets stewardship and stewardship meets intimacy. Study questions. These are mostly for my local church because this is a Devo that I wrote uh, for them, for our small group leaders, but I just want to share them here as well. And this is on the blog, so you could read them, but you know, as Jethro model, we serve community as we provide others what they need to receive life and godliness, 1 Peter 3.15. And while the church is a primary outlet, for most, our jobs are the hubs for our social interaction. That said, do you see Jethro principles at work? If so, how are they succeeding and or where can they improve? Another question is, how can one's concept of authority benefit from the Jethro principles? Same thing with hierarchy. And how do, last question, how do Jethro principles help us deal with conflict management and resolution? Those are some things for thought. We'd love to get your comments to any of these questions on our blog, uh, to this post on SoundCloud, wherever you're hearing this, wherever you're listening to this, Spotify, iTunes, uh, Facebook probably, and YouTube, you know, good places to leave comments and questions. You can also email us, uh, in this case, Cameron.fry. At firefreelance.com, I don't think I've ever given my email out, but that's probably the best way to get a hold of me if you have, want to just have a message one-on-one, shoot me a PM, stuff like that. So that's it for today. Thank you for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day, wonderful week. Again, stay strong, stay healthy, stay courageous. Be bold, be kind. Be how God's created you to be in this unique time, this historic time. Let God shine his love through you. Be a difference-making history maker in you. Call someone you haven't called in a while. Email someone you haven't emailed in a while or haven't spoken to, haven't communicated with in a while. Knock on their doors, not literal doors, but knock on the virtual doors of um, people God puts in your heart, the Spirit illuminates. Hey, go love on this person today. Go be kind to this person today. Um, Share this specific word with this person today. Got your back any way we can. And as I always say, we'll catch you on the fry. Peace.